don't waste time on stuff that doesn't have much benefit and don't waste time on stuff that's too complex because it'll fail, yeah. uh, particularly when you're starting out. Mathematically, it is impossible to have any decision-making process, whether human, machine, or in nature, that is not biased. And that is what is coming up on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. So stay tuned. Now, here are two powerful words to change your life. What if? What if you do have what it takes? What if you can design your life? What if your crazy dreams do come true? You are here because you have a dream. You have a fire in your belly. You want to change the world and you want to lead the charge in the post-socially distant era. The big question is this, how can ambitious people like us build our dream lives? This podcast gives you the answers. We have created the perfect community of the world's best minds who want to get things done. Survive and thrive in this uncertain world. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and today we'll be talking with Colin Priest. So Colin is a sought after public speaker, thought leader and a firm believer in database decision making and applying automation to improve customer experience. With more than three decades of experience in financial services, Colin has held a number of C-suite roles where he has championed data science initiatives in banking, fintech, insurance, risk management and marketing. Colin is the VP AI strategy for Data Robot, where he advises businesses on how to optimize their business operations using AI and manage data science projects. Data Robot is headquartered in Boston, Massachusetts, and has 10 office locations across, across six countries. Data Robot's um, enterprise platforms are used by Kroger, Humana, US Bank, Reckitt, uh, ben, Benkister, Australian Red Cross uh, Blood Service, uh, Boston Red Sox, Leningtree, University of Michigan, and a whole bunch more. Uh, their platform helped uh, Stewart Health save $18 million, and their platform also helped a global bank financial services firm realize a 304% return on investment that amounted to about $33 million. Colin is passionate about how humans and AI can work together and is an advisor to the Singapore government on AI ethics, AI governance, and the future of work. Colin is passionate about the science of healthcare and does pro bono work to support cancer research. Welcome, Colin. Thank you, Manoj. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're most welcome. So um, you're doing some really interesting work in the AI space. Uh, first of all, let's get to know you. How did you uh, get into this? Uh, what was your journey like uh, in your career up to, so, up to this point? I started in this when it wasn't called AI or data science and it wasn't sexy. Uh, so in the mid 90s, uh -huh. I was looking after the pricing for an insurance company and I would go into management meetings and every meeting would get hijacked by the marketing guy. And it was and because sales weren't up to, to, to budget and he blamed me. The prices are too high. And um, I knew they weren't, but I was not as convincing as the marketing guy because that's what his specialty is being convincing. Yeah. And uh, after a particularly bad meeting, I went back to my office and I slammed the door. Arr, grumble, grumble, grumble. And I'd been reading Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Mm -hmm. Don't let your enemy choose the battleground. And, and I'd let the marketing guy choose the battleground, which was mm -hmm. how good can you talk 
and be convincing even when you're talking nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not my specialty. And I well, my specialty is being objective and using data. And I sat there and I go, well, what can I do? And I figured out how to start measuring price elasticity on the products. Uh, there was some data that only just started becoming available. We changed our processes. And so I sat there and I worked out how to do that and I started doing it. And the next meeting I turned up and the marketing manager said, and he does his normal thing, Colin, you've set the prices too high. That's why the sales are down. Mm-hmm. And I pulled out the data. Uh, and that was my start because all of a sudden I turned the conversation into what does the facts say, not who is most convincing. Yeah. And that was just not stopping after that. Then I extended gradually over time to more and more things. Uh, initially, I stepped into things I already sort of understood, like pricing. Um, but then I got into marketing. Who Are we marketing the right products to the right people? I got into some operational things. I then get completely out of the industry and did things in telco, in healthcare, in banking. And after a while, it just sort of starts to coalesce into it's now the same thing. It just happens to be different particular use cases. And I haven't looked back since then. And now, thank goodness, in the last decade, it's become sexy. Although my wife would tell you that is not true. (laughs) All right. That's a talk for another day. Um, Now, uh, you know, um, I have been in this field as well, and I'm fascinated by it. Uh, I, I, uh, through my work, I got to, you know, work on some amazing AI-related projects. I got four patents. Uh, to my name. So um, a lot of people ask me, you know, what does it all mean? Like, you know, AI, uh, and there are so many terms, uh, machine learning, AI, data science. Uh, can you help us uh, unpack these terms for a layperson who who's not a geek like you and I? Um, yeah. What do these terms mean and how do they apply in different business scenarios? We love our buzzwords. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel extra important if we could say <laughs> something that sounds sexy and no one understands. Yeah, yeah. But here's the trick. They're just buzzwords. The ideas are really simple. So let's start data science. Mm-hmm. Data science is how do you manipulate data to make better decisions? That's it. Um, and it's been around for ages before it was called data science. Yeah, yeah. The next one along, machine learning. Sounds very fancy, doesn't it? All it means is that instead of humans sitting around and defining lots of rules, coding them into software, it's the way most software has been done for a long time, you give the computer some examples with the correct answer, and you get it to figure out for itself how to get from the inputs to the outputs, machine learning. Mm-hmm. Finally, artificial intelligence. Uh, there's a lot of people that haven't separated the science fiction from the fact. Yeah. Uh, we, we, oh, you know, uh, I, I had someone ask me just uh, uh, several months ago, mm-hmm. yeah, when we get these autonomous cars, will I have to negotiate with my car about where we're going? <laughs> no, no more than you would now. Yeah. <laughs> Artificial intelligence is merely a computer doing something that historically required human intelligence. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean it, is, it has human intelligence. It is not. What we have in the current generation is narrow intelligence. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. train computers to do a very narrow task under certain controlled conditions. Yeah, That's yeah. what we do. And most 
modern artificial intelligence is powered by machine learning, which I was yeah. just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not intelligence if intelligent if it never learns. You have to just exactly. keep giving it rules. That's not human. That's not intelligent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But all very what? simple in the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as as you know, like you know, uh, when you go in uh, into a field, it becomes simple. But when you're looking at it from uh, outside, it's all very uh, mystified and uh, and uh, complicated. As, as oh, and we like to keep it mystical because that yeah, makes yeah. us feel like everyone else is a muggle. <laughs> magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, so let's uh, dive a little bit deeper now. You know, we defined AI, we defined data science, uh, defined machine learning, and you brought you you started the conversation by saying, okay, we can use all these technologies to figure out the best pricing for the product, and and you know, this is where uh, our entrepreneurial uh, audience will uh, really like to understand, okay. Pricing is something, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have learned in basic in economics is like pri uh, supply and demand. So mm. can you tell us how we can apply data science to optimize the price such that we get the, the best uh, supply, uh, sorry, best demand for the product or service, and we get the best price so that we have more profitability? Yeah, um, it doesn't happen by magic, I'm telling you. Uh, you can't just throw an AI at it and go, tell me the best price. Yeah, yeah. You have to bring in your human intelligence. The mm -hmm. best solutions are a combination of the two. Yeah. Uh, and what you'll do is, how could I run an experiment that would create data that would teach how people react to different prices? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're going to have to do A-B testing, or sometimes there's some natural experiments existed. That's in fact how I started out. It just so happened we had, by accident, created the right conditions. Uh -huh. But usually what you do, and, and you'll see this in supermarkets all the time. Supermarkets have this week's discount. You yeah. think they're looking after you? They're not. They're measuring your reaction to different prices. Yeah. And, and by varying the prices at different times and different amounts, they can start to learn how you react to different prices. And then it comes back to some basic microeconomics. You've got a fixed cost. You've got some variable costs. You now know the change in demand. What's the optimal price that achieves what your goal is? Whether your goal be total dollar profit or it be um, you know, maximum profit subject to not selling less it depends on your business goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can make that more intelligent by bringing in, once again, your human knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find different products have different price elasticity. You'll find that the description of the product, the location of the product, how you advertise it will affect all of this. Mm -hmm. um, you need to bring this in and then let the computer do the boring hard stuff, which is the calculations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, very interesting, and uh, you know, it it just uh, brings me uh, some memories uh, of uh, of some fun uh, things that uh, we were doing, and one of the major sort of you can call it hurdles or you can call it um, the first prerequisites of data science or AI is collecting huge amounts of data, right? That is where um, you know I've I've gotten into some uh, discussions with business folks and they. Oh, can you not just use the algorithm to figure it out? And I'm like, okay, you know, you need historical data for the machine to yeah. learn what the heck is going on, right? So, what is your take on things? Um, do people like specifically uh, C-suite executives and decision makers? Uh, how much do they understand about like 
how this thing works and how we collect historical data and then we make decisions for the future like is that what is your um, take on that i think at the moment there are a lot of people in the c-suite who are confused and and, and are honest about being confused they've mm-hmm. heard the buzzwords worse still they've heard the hype ah mm-hmm. uh, yeah every ai startup you listen to what they say they do and it's like there is no way they actually do that that's science <laughs> fiction yeah uh, and so c-suite's quite honestly going well what's real what's not what's practical and what's not yeah. unfortunately most of their contact is with sales people yeah. uh, and we all know that sales people tend to overstate what, what yeah. Can be done. <laughs> yeah. i started two years ago running workshops for c-suite okay and answering the basic questions that they're asking the first you've already asked what do these buzzwords mean what yeah. the hell does this mean um, and how is that relevant to me so that's the first thing I answer. I have, here's the standard buzzwords and here's how much hype there is. Whenever you hear this, don't accept it. Yeah. The next thing is, how do you determine what AI could do for you and what it could not do for you? Because that's what matters. Ignore all the technical stuff about algorithms and hyperparameter tuning. Who cares is in the end. That's just how you got there. What matters is what you deliver. And so I, I give them a framework for how you can estimate the benefit and how you can estimate the complexity. Because don't waste time on stuff that doesn't have much benefit and don't waste time on stuff that's too complex because it'll fail, yeah, uh, particularly yeah. when you're starting out. Yeah. So we tell them, you want to identify a use case, begin with a business problem, not with a technology. Yeah. Stop letting the tail wag the dog. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that. Do you have frictions in your customer experience? Uh, Are you trying to push the wrong products? Uh, For instance, last year, I got all these ads for shampoo. And it's like, (laughs) come on, guys. And and this was on Facebook. And every time I'd go, nope, not relevant. All they would do was just try and advertise a different brand of shampoo. I finally blocked all those. And you know what happened next? They started advertising hair extensions. worry about Facebook tracking you and knowing all about you. I couldn't even convince them that I was bald. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And there are frictions in customer experiences and COVID has exposed them. And I think that's the best place to start because Mm -hmm. it's win-win. You are are helping customers more and they're coming to you more because you're giving them a better experience, a better product. Um, So that's where I often start people or where is it that you um, have in, um, complex processes that could be tuned in a manufacturer, long mm-hmm. production line, but with sensors along the way. And, 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 and it changes with environment. For example, water treatment works, wastewater. It's actually quite complex. It's like a production line. In comes the wastewater. And about a day later, the clean water comes out the other end. But in between, there's so much uh, that changes and you want to tune. You don't want dirty water coming out the end, for example. Hell no, because you're going to get in trouble. Plus, you don't want to pollute. On the other hand, you don't want to overclean the water. Then you're wasting resources. And it all depends on the the heat, the amount of sunshine, the amount of wind, the uh, how much rain and runoff is coming through in the wastewater. 
And you need to react to that. And AI is perfect for that sort of thing. There's just so many things, but just you know, what I teach them is begin small. Don't do big bang. Don't fall for hype. Start with an actual business problem that you have a reasonable understanding of and where automating would make a better experience or a better product. Yeah, no, that, that's well said. Um, now let's talk about, uh, again, uh, you know, uh, uh, about data. Like uh, one of the, one of the, you know, funny things that, um, that I learned uh, going through, uh, you know, these projects was uh, most of the time is spent in, in AI uh, projects in collecting data, cleaning data, collating data, and uh, you know uh, the the executives are like, what the hell is going on? Like you know, it's been yeah. like weeks. You guys have not done anything but collect data. Like, what are you looking at? All these uh, you know numbers floating around. What is going on? So, what is your take on that? There's, I keep hearing these stories that eighty percent of my time is spent on cleaning data or preparing mm -hmm. data. Yeah, yeah. I've yet to see anyone measure that. By the way, I think it's yeah. a bit of an urban myth that eighty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. could be anything it could be higher could be lower yeah, yeah. And it I'm, feels I'm, like that for sure oh yeah. i feels like 120 <laughs> percent. i was recently working on some american data about covid cases mm -hmm. it just astounds me how many different ways americans can prepare mm -hmm. that data uh, across the geographies of america everyone does it differently and that makes it difficult so you're asking about you know, huge amounts of data. You can cut that back by running the experiments I was talking. Mm -hmm. This is how science got developed. If you structure the way you do things in the right way, you make it easier to do the sexy stuff. But people want to jump straight to the sexy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that without a basic foundation. Um, and, and so uh, someone was asking me on LinkedIn the other day, how do you convince a business to stop creating bad data and to mm -hmm. put some controls around it. And I said, they don't care about that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's so much money to be you know, in that. And I go, yes, but they don't care. What they care about is the result. Yeah. So instead of just rushing to the result, you should also, as a data scientist, tell them, how could you change the data collection processes mm -hmm. to make this work better next time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just some basic data validation would be great. I don't know how many 120 year olds I've seen this year and they will be 121 next year because they're born in the year zero and the system thinks year zero is 1900. Yeah. Um, I did something, I, I'm based in Asia in Singapore. I did something for an insurance company. I found more than a dozen different ways they'd spelled Toyota. Uh, oh. <laughs> but, yeah, but why was it a free form field? It should just yeah. be a drop down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice and clean. It's simple stuff like that. But it's hard to convince the business guys to spend money on that boring stuff when they wanted when, when they just want to spend it on sexy. We have to make it clearer that they're linked together. Uh, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't give your kid at school a textbook from the year 1900. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you make sure they got the most modern teaching methods, the most modern textbooks. It's the same with your AIs and with your data. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And uh, as these large uh, corporations like Facebook and Google, they have demonstrated uh, if you use the data correctly, it could be worth billions and billions of dollars, right? Mm, mm. But you don't need big data to start. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Start with a simpler problem. The simpler the problem, the less data you need. Yeah, yeah.
Let's take a quick break for an important message from the Bootstrapping Your Dreams community. Get the support and insights you need for your business and life. Join our community which is fueled by the same people who advise the world's top leaders and champions. Stay ahead of the curve. Join us now by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Um, now let's dive into another field where you know AI is also uh, you know most people think AI is more about numbers and uh, you know just just crunching numbers, but AI is go- getting into um, more humanistic uh, fields like computer vision and recognizing mm-hmm. the audio and in some cases uh, AI is even composing music and art and and whatnot. So um, tell us a little bit about that. You know what are the possibilities of AI actually uh, breaking into these uh, these uh, these fields which are more um, closer to uh, you know humans that they can understand they can talk to ai they can they can feel it and, and touch it and all that i first got involved in visual ai oh, more than 15 years ago mm-hmm. back in the olden days when it was difficult it's a the standard libraries now that just make it so much easier mm-hmm. i i reviewed an old project and said i wondered could i build it in new, latest technology mm-hmm. and something that took me two years to build originally took me about two hours to build with the latest technology we've made it so easy to do it now and i love the possibilities here i've been involved for instance in some of my pro bono work in healthcare um looking at um health screens so where they're taking an image whether that be an mri or an x-ray yeah, yeah. so that we could add a second opinion uh to the radiologist on whether someone has cancer or not or we could discover it earlier. And and that's the sort of stuff I love because we're not replacing humans. We're actually just giving them uh, another tool to make them better at their job because you still need a human. Similarly, I did some stuff that was about measuring the left ventricle volume in your heart as it beats. Mm -hmm. And I went to see uh, one of the local uh, gurus of that uh, in, uh, in Singapore. And he told me that these highly trained heart specialists literally get the scans and draw around the edge and, and, and measure the size physically. And it takes them 30 minutes to 45 minutes just to do this ridiculous manual task. Mm-hmm. And I, these people took more than 10 years to train up and they're drawing pictures. Yeah. <laughs> excited about AI because yeah. we want to free up the humans from this stuff to do the human stuff and that excites me and the fact that you can just give it to a computer and get an answer in just one or two seconds that is more accurate and reliable than the human means that we're making the world a better place as well for sure sure. yeah i mean uh, i recall uh working on a computer vision project where uh, we had uh, trained physicians and uh, you know medical doctors and the diagnosis produced by the, the the machine was more accurate than these experienced human beings. And I was blown away by uh, by the power of these things. And um, some of the research shows that the best solution is to have both. Use yeah. it as a second opinion. Uh, if that then sometimes prompts the human to go back and look again, yeah. uh, because the computer will miss things that the human got and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, bringing it back now to, um, uh, to once again, you know, uh, this notion that um, AI can take over, it, be- it can become like a terminator kind of a thing where, you know, it can destroy humans or basically just take over the human race. 
Uh, what are the possibilities of that in your opinion? I am not at that end of the scale. <laughs> I'm rather old. Um, and I remember at school and when I was young, so we're talking definitely last century <laughs> and a fair way back in that century. <laughs> and the teacher asked us, we're all about seven or eight years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, and and then someone had, had obviously had a scare story and they're going, oh, all these jobs won't exist because computers will take them over. So we're talking in the 1970s, someone was yeah. saying that. Yeah. And for the next decade, that was the standard stories. Computers are going to put everybody out of jobs. Yeah, yeah. Did that happen? Well, just look at banks. Banks use tons of computers now. They have ATMs. Yeah. Banks actually have more staff now than back then. Wow. Um, I don't think, now to just start with the simple destruction, that, that AI taking away all human jobs, hell no. Um, it's not going to happen. It's never happened in the past. There's no reason to believe it will happen now because humans still have a strength. Yeah. Now, as for them uh, taking over the world, it, that's also not going to happen because here's the really important thing I didn't put in my definition about AI. It is just a computer system, a tool to do what you tell it to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is not autonomous. I keep using that. Marketing and sales guys love that word autonomous. It is not autonomous. It does what you tell it to. Yeah, uh, and yeah. when it doesn't, it's because it's broken and it's not very not doing anything useful. It's yeah. Uh, same as your car goes where you tell it to, you know, that was going to that was going to cause all sorts of destruction when cars first came out. You had to have someone running in front of the car with a red flag going, here comes a car coming through. You know, did it destroy yeah. the world? No. Well, unless we talk global warming. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we that, that... keep getting worried. But the trick is make sure humans are controlling what goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus, um, you know, to add to that, I wonder, you know, uh, I haven't heard of an AI system which is working on sort of ambition or, you know, uh, or, or, you know, those type of qualities which will enable AI to take over. Think about, OK, you know, I should take over this world, you know. Unless you give it that as a goal, it's not going to do it. Yeah, uh, exactly. are quite literal. They, you give it a goal, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it, and just like some people, if you give it the wrong goal, it will go and solve that wrong goal. And we've yeah. seen that already happening in healthcare, for example, where the goal was to reduce expenses. Uh, so that's exactly, and that's what they thought because they've got a fixed budget. Like, let's can we make, get some costs down so we can give more healthcare. Unfortunately, yeah. the way it did that was by reducing healthcare and making it less available to the people who needed it the most, particularly uh, people from particular races and underprivileged socioeconomic backgrounds. It did exactly what it was told. Unfortunately, it was told to do the wrong thing. Wow. Um, all right. And um, now, uh, you know, uh, another angle is the, you know, the pandemic and we are under lockdown and um, the work environment is changing. We are working from home. Before the interview started, we were actually talking about your uh, a nice little background, which is very clean and, and not typical of Zoom. So um, going through this experience, uh, how do you think uh, the role of AI will accelerate the, the adoption of dig digitization or remote work or anything like that? How how's, has this experience in 2020 
change the trajectory of AI and uh, its adoption? Oh, very much so. Is that, that everyone's seen that cartoon out there? You know, what's driving a digital transformation? The CEO, the CIO, or COVID? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been talking to companies for years, and they keep saying, "Oh, yeah, we're we're going to do uh, digital transformation. We're going to do it." Every year, I go back. Yes, we're going to do it. All of a sudden, they got caught out, yeah. um, and now they really are facing the consequences of their inaction. And so they're starting to do stuff. Even the slowest organizations I deal with now have a roadmap. They should have done this six months ago, but at least now they've got the money and the roadmap and they're starting to build some solutions. The really good ones though, were able to react in weeks, not in years. Uh, the exceptional ones were already prepared. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mostly work from home. Now, that's why I got a virtual background to hide all yeah. the mess in my home office. Uh -huh. uh, I love this software I'm using, which is pretty damn good. It's already had two upgrades this year that improve the quality considerably and make me look considerably more professional hmm. in a COVID environment. Uh, we're seeing organizations that have realized that you can't use face-to-face -face meetings and paper with physically signing paper when there are COVID restrictions and social distancing. So. AI plus digital is just a natural fit. The digital means you've got more data for AI and the AI makes it possible to do more digital because yeah. in the past for digital, you just needed, you needed to come up with rules. Yeah. Um, try and do rules to get the background out of my image here. Yeah. That's not going to work. Anything complex, anything that rapidly changes, which is this year, yeah. you need AI. <laughs> For sure, for sure. No, that's uh, that's for sure. And now, um, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, as you said, uh, they have been uh, just uh, caught off guard by this uh, this situation. Do you, in your opinion, uh, what what does the C-suite executives and people in general may have to unlearn uh, about the future of work, about how how they use technology or how they even look upon technology? Because let's face it, you know, if if this pandemic hit uh, in 1970s or, you know, even 1990s, the world would have been shut down. Like, you know, yeah. no electricity, no water, no nothing. Uh, but due to technology, um, you know, the world didn't miss a beat, although certain parts of the economy suffered greatly. But still, you know, we are able to carry on with our lives just because of technology. So yeah. people have, you know, learned a, a big lesson, right? Uh, people who were scared of using computers, they are adopting computers. But some of the things we have to unlearn uh, uh, as well, like, you know, as uh, you know, uh, so what is your opinion about that? What kind of new paradigms the C-suite executives will need to learn uh, now that, you know, we have adopted this change? And I think um, that that may be another question, a follow up question about, you know, what is the future of work according to you? But, but for now, like, what do we have to unlearn as, as a result of this? Okay, so I'm going to start with two that are just flip sides of the same coin, mm -hmm. which is what your customers want and what they'll accept. Mm -hmm. so, so one of the things we have to unlearn, oh, someone wrote a nice comment. One of the things we're going to have to unlearn is that AI is there to replace human staff. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there is that belief in many spaces, some at, at the exec level and some by the staff who are, are worried about losing yeah, their yeah, jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a ton of research showing 
that you destroy your brand value if you have no human face and no way for customers to interact with humans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're going to have to unlearn that AI is going to do everything because mm -hmm. as humans, we are hardwired for human connection, yeah, yeah. particularly when we're emotional or confused. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So the flip side of that is people that think that you must uh, have um, humans. Uh, you, you, you don't need anything newer. People are happy meeting face to face. Here in Asia, that's a common belief. Mm -hmm. um, and Asia was a laggard in digital. Yeah. Um, they, they love their face-to-face -face meetings. They love pieces of paper that have a signature on it. I, I, when I first moved here, why does everything need a signature? It's, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, Asia has been has had probably the biggest transformation due to COVID, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, people are now comfortable with video conferences, with apps, um, with uh, chatbots. All of a sudden, they've realized that for normal transactional stuff, not when I'm confused, not when something is broken, yeah. um, normal transactional stuff, people are actually prefer digital. Yeah. yeah. I do most of my banking digital because it's transactional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go and see a damn human. I don't want to travel to a bank branch. I don't want to queue up. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and people are seeing that in broader spaces than banking now. So there's those two sides of the coin, which is we are, when should your customers see a human and when should they not? Uh, that's the next, yeah. And the next one is magical thinking. We touched on that before. But they think because it's AI, you can just throw it at something without ever training it. Mm -hmm. um, and just somehow it's going to do magic. Uh, here's my pool of data. To give it to yeah. the AI and tell it to find something interesting for me. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've like, heard that before. I have heard that before many works. times. Not how yeah. it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think that's sort of the biggest things. Um, it, it's and there's a lot of human AI interaction stuff that that people have to unlearn as well. Um, yeah. You know, is AI inherently biased? Yes, but so are humans, but more so. Yeah, we yeah. worry about the AI bias when, in fact, it's easier to reduce bias in an AI than in a human. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and yeah. and as you said, our bias gets into the AI because we are we are the one training it. <laughs> so so well, whatever bias is. Mathematically, it is impossible to have any decision making process, whether human, machine, or in nature, that is not biased. Yeah. Um, it, because there's multiple measures of bias. And they are mathematically inconsistent with one another. You get rid of yeah. one, it means you must have the other. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another thing to unlearn, that you can get rid of bias. No, you can't. What you can do is prioritize what to get rid of. Yeah. Um, These are very good insights. Like, I, I really like the way that you combine um, computer science, AI, with the, with the human element. Because, mo uh, you know, most of most technologists that, uh, that I come across in, in, um, in my line of work, they are very much focused on the technology, uh, but they don't really, you know, care about how the humans. What is the emotional impact? What What do we want out of this system? But uh, but you have, something yeah. you need to unlearn. You yeah, cannot yeah. develop technology in a vacuum away from humans. Exactly. It is there to serve us, not to exist yeah. independently of us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now, uh, one of the last questions. So, 
what do you think will be the future of work here now like you know um uh, remote work obviously i think it'll it'll stay well, what kind of other things you can foresee as um you know th- that will change how we think about work uh, these days what we're going to see is pretty much the end of most stuff that was a mid 20th century clerical job uh-huh i see anything that is process driven mm-hmm. is just prime territory to automate yeah yeah now you may be what are people going to do well, if they don't do that they're going to do something considerably more human mm-hmm. um you know, that beginning of the 20th century what are all these farmers going to do if we automate farming well they're going to yeah. do more interesting stuff yeah, yeah. and the thing i like to bring in is a is a basic economic concept that's been around for hundreds of years called comparative advantage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what are humans stronger at than machines now it turns out that that's things like empathy creative problem solving general knowledge and common sense yeah, yeah, um, yeah. those type and and, and uh, engagement and, and and inspiring people those are the things that we're better at and will always be comparatively better at than machines mm-hmm. they also happen to be the things we love doing yeah yeah so i'm uh, i'm actually positive about the future of work in that it's going to make our work lives more human mm-hmm. and more and make us more valuable as a human yeah i completely so agree instead of being scared we do need though to be careful that we don't let things turn into a factory and forget the human side which is one of the reasons i keep emphasizing this this can be a win-win for everyone yeah 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 i i completely agree with you i mean i it's funny how you know you said exactly the same thing empathy and and creativity and and uh expression and and uh companionship these are the things that machines cannot provide and i think the professions um you know even if they don't exist today uh we will find those professions more satisfying and and uh and uh you know just just fulfilling right even just like ai ethicist that job mm-hmm. did not exist 10 years ago but yeah. it is becoming increasingly important why because machines have no inherent concept of right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. Humans are the ones that need to set the values that yeah. that a system must operate within. Uh human society and human individuals and organizations. We are born with a conscience. We have an inherent idea of what is right and wrong, and after a couple of decades of getting through education and living our lives, we have an even better idea. of what is acceptable and what is not that's great well thank you so much uh, this was very interesting uh, you know i geeked out a lot because <laughs> i i love this stuff and i hope and i think you 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 put it very nicely uh, for everybody to understand whether they whether they do have a science background technology background or not so thanks so much for uh, coming on to the show uh, helping us understand this whole world of ai and uh, and sharing your vision about you know what the future holds that that was really refreshing and uh, entertaining thank you so much thank you manush as you might have noticed i'm i'm passionate about this stuff i of love course, talking about what's truly important here yeah for sure and so if um, somebody wants to reach out to you connect with you how can they uh, how can they connect with you you can find me on linkedin there aren't that many column priests in the world mm-hmm. Yeah. and my picture is there so just remember to look for the column priest with no hair yeah pretty yeah. easy to find me there yeah. um you can read some of my blogs on the data war robot website you could read some of my personal blogs on my personal website 
www.colinpriest.com. Although those ones are boring technical stuff, I have to say. All right, no problem. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll add those links regardless. And if somebody wants to geek out, they can do that. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Manoush. Bye. Bye. That's all for now. Until next time. If you want to realize your full potential, I invite you to join our community. We support and help each other out because no one has to do it alone. Join us today by navigating to bootstrapping.group. The community is free to join, no strings attached except for one. You have to take action. So if you are an action taker, we want to talk to you. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. If you want more insightful interviews with industry leaders, then check out these other videos we have picked for you right here and subscribe now to get our new content.